Over 30 years of advice for your house, home, castle, or cabin. Y'all have things you want to get done. It's Rosie on the House. And it's just Rosie on the House today. Of course, with Gary D., our broadcast engineer. Both Romy and Jennifer are out today, so I've got the show to myself. You're welcome to join us, join me, by dialing one 767 4348 If there's any project you're trying to tackle around your house, home, castle, or cabin, give me a ring and let me put my 50-some-odd years of carpentry and handyman experience to work for you. Let's see if I can't help you move that project along. Maybe help you get that project started with a couple tips on the right kinds of tools, the right kinds of products, the brand names that we recommend that we've learned to trust. Or if there's a project maybe that got started some time ago and is having trouble getting finished, you could give me a ring and maybe I could give you the motivation to um, and the answers you might need to get you through that next step. But before we do it, all last hour, we were talking about electricity and the safety requirements of electricity. And I can't believe I missed the fact we didn't congratulate Sparky. Ooh, yeah. What a game last night. What a game. ASU, watch out. Forks up, baby. Man, forks up. Mm. And I guess... um, We've got the Wildcats taking on UCLA this afternoon, right? Uh, UCLA. UCLA. So Mm -hmm. we've already spanked them once here locally. Hopefully we can spank Spank them them again. (laughs) (laughs) And I believe the Lumberjacks have the weekend off. So, But, again, congratulations uh, to Coach Edwards and all the team at ASU for just a spectacular win. You know Stanford came in here charged up after their win last weekend. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and ASU was pretty charged up after their UCLA win of last week. There was a lot of electricity on that field. There was a lot of electricity on that field. So congratulations. One of the things we do to try and uh, – one of the many things we do to try and educate and entertain the Arizona homeowners is we print a weekly digital newsletter. In that digital newsletter, it uh, comes with – a tip of the week it comes with a product of the week we have our own e-store of of uh, products that we think can be kind of hard to find sometimes uh, generally made in america that we've tested and determined we really like them so we've made them available through the rosie on the house e-store and there's a featured product every month and this month it's the franklin sensor pro sensor stud finder if you're trying to hang some art uh, in your home or some towel bars, and you've got to find that stud behind the wall. These Franklin sensors we have found to be the easiest to use, the most reliable. And what they do, unlike other sensors that just show you about where the stud is, these sensors actually mark the left and the right side of the stud so you can center your anchoring device 
right in the middle of the stud to ensure you've got the maximum holding capacity for whatever it is you're trying to hold up. So that's our feature product of the week, available at rosyonthehouse.com e-commerce store. The weekly to-do is all about air filters. And when I say air filters, I know most of you immediately start thinking about the air filter to your air conditioning system. And that's certainly an important one in your house. We like to encourage you to take a look at that filter and change it once a month. For years, air filters for air conditioners were made out of spun fiberglass. And they caught the biggest of things trying to pass through your ductwork, but really don't filter very much out. We've always encouraged you, replace those spun fiberglass filters that you can buy on special for sometimes as low as 79 cents. Maybe it's up to 99 cents now. With a one-inch paper pleated filter that will actually filter all the air passing through your return air duct, purifying the air before it hits your air conditioning coils, okay? And if you take that filter, and that's going to cost you about four bucks, if you'll take that filter and replace it once a month, uh, you, you will literally almost never have to get your ducts clean. If you've never had your ducts clean, get them clean by a professional licensed air conditioning contractor because to do it properly, you actually have to take part of the air conditioning equipment apart and you have to clean the, the fins on the coil. Get those clean, get the condensate clean, get the ductwork clean and go back with one inch paper pleated filters replaced monthly and you'll probably never, ever have to clean your filters again or your ductwork again. These duct cleaning services that encourage you to call them out once or twice a year, and when they finish, they schedule you again for another six months down the road, aren't doing you justice, okay? They're really not cleaning your ducts. As soon as the air conditioner goes on, all the muck and gunk that's piled up to your coils is immediately distributed through the air. So get the whole system clean, check the integrity of your duct work, get any leaks sealed. You can do that with a whole house energy audit and then use paper pleated filters. In fact, at the point you replace your air conditioner, do what I did and do what we do for every homeowner that we remodel for. We put in a three or four inch paper pleated filter that only needs to be replaced once a year. And it gets done when the air conditioning contractors out there doing the unit, it's annual service. So that's just one of the filters. I'm going to finish talking about all the other filters you have in your house, but let's see if we can go to the lines now. We're all busy here. Uh, Gary isn't going to be able. He's on the other line right now. And like I say, it's just it's just Gary and I today. So one of the other filters I'm going to talk about here just for a minute uh, are the filter on your vacuum. Do you know the dirtiest thing you can do in your house 
with a bad vacuum cleaner is vacuum your house. You're introducing more junk into the air than you can possibly imagine. We like to encourage people to buy a vacuum cleaner that's HEPA approved and HEPA filtered so that as you're vacuuming up the carpet, which is probably one of the filthiest surfaces in your entire house, you're not just picking it up and spewing it up into the air. Okay? That's some of the junk that will get caught on those evaporative coils and make your indoor air quality. Um, a sealed up house in August uh, with all the cooking and the showering and the vacuuming and the cleaning, the indoor air quality in a house well sealed in August is much worse than the air quality of when you just step out on your back patio and breathe fresh air. Gary, let's see if we can bring this caller in, calling in from Sorita. I understand he has a question about exterminating. Mike? Yes. Hi. Hi, Rosie. How you doing? I, from beautiful. I'll, I'll be quick because I know you're busy. Okay. I have, well, we're here. We're here for you. <laughs> okay. I have a problem with uh, subterranean termites. Okay. And I have two different approaches to resolving the problem. One is dig a trench all the way around the house, deep, and, and flush, and, and just just saturate the areas with the with chemicals and so forth. Supposedly that will kill whatever is there. The other one is you, you put in trenches, uh, you put in uh, the, uh, the, the baits in tubes uh, uh, you know, around the perimeter of the house, which I understand is a good system, except I've been told that the termites can go around and in between, in between the traps. So the better one, per this person I spoke with, says to, to just saturate the whole area with uh, uh, with chemicals and that should take care of it you I, your opinion please what's your take on that on on termites it's been my opinion for a long time and there is a place for termite traps um, but I'm I'm generally not a fan of them uh, I am a fan of a product called termidor um, which sounds like what one of the guys was recommending. You dig a trench, treat the perimeter of the house with this saturated material. Now, there are limits to where that can be applied. You aren't going to want that applied in about or around the root ball of any fruit-producing tree. You're not going to want it around your vegetable garden. So there are restrictions as to where it can go. But it's the only product that the termite will take back to the hive and kill the queen. So it's the only product that has a very high success rate in totally eliminating the entire colony of termites. And that's the reason we like it. The success rate and of what we've seen has been pretty darn incredible. So Termidor, when it comes to treating termites, is our number one selection. There are times and places to use other things, but it takes a site evaluation to come up with that. Default, Termidor.
play trumpet in high school, didn't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I love that this band, Chicago, they have a studio in Sedona. I would, if anybody has a connection, I'd love to visit it. Oh, boy. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. They have a nice recording studio. This was always one of my favorite bands mm-hmm. in high school. Me too. Me too. Still is. So. I love the brass section. Let's bring Ray into the conversation. He's called Rosie on the House with a home improvement project he'd like a little help, a little coaching on. Let's see if we can bring him in and help him out. Good morning, Ray. Hi, Rosie. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Very good, as a matter good. of fact. Good. I um, had some dark paneling in a house I just got, and I took it off expecting to find a framed wall behind there, but it is actually a block wall. Okay. Um, an interior block wall. I don't know why it is, but it is. And they didn't fur it out all the way. There's a few places that need furring still. What's the best way to attach that? Is it a, a, okay. a, what kind of screw or a nail or what? Well, let me ask you a couple more questions. This black paneling, was applied to the masonry wall directly, or it just had a few furring strips? Yeah, they just had furring strips. It wasn't directly. It was just on furring strips. But I'm going to put sheet. I couldn't find any just flat paneling that I could paint to replace it, so I wouldn't have to do the sheetrock. So I guess I'm going to have to put up sheetrock. But okay. it, uh, they didn't have it every, you know, 16 inches, so there's okay. some spots where I need to just add furring. All right. Well, in that case, uh, and it just it's just one by furring, right? That's correct. Yeah, okay. Well, um, Ray, what I would do is I would take the furring strip and lay it on the slab, and I'd run a bead of liquid nail on it, and then I'd apply it where I want it, hold it in place, compress it as tight, and I would not put a big bead. Don't put a big bead. Just put a, a little bead about half the size of a pencil diameter, the full length of it, Use a six-penny cut nail and cut nail it about, you know, I'm talking about an eight-foot-tall wall. I would probably put about four to six cut nails, just depending on how good a bite and purchase I got with each cut nail I set. And then I wouldn't hang sheetrock on that for at least a day, give the liquid nail time to set up. Uh, And then when you apply the drywall, you're going to be putting up half-inch drywall on a three-quarter furring strip. Don't use drywall screws any longer than an inch and a quarter. Use inch and a half screws or something like that. They're going to go through the furring strip, hit the masonry wall, and actually kind of encourage that furring strip to come loose. So uh, liquid nail, six penny cut nail. Uh, Make sure you you can tell when they have purchase. You can tell when you've set them. And the one thing about a cut nail is don't peck at it to send it home. Get it to where it's in the wood and it's firm and then just sink that baby. Just bring her home in one fell swoop if you can. If not, finish it off with a second swipe. Let that liquid nail dry and you'll have a great surface to apply that sheetrock to. Is that, are you going to insulate it all? Ray? No. Okay. No, it's, it's an interior wall. Okay. All right. Well, man, that's how I do it. There, there's also uh, uh, screws uh, that you can drill the masonry with. Uh, 
made for anchoring into that. But given what you want to do, I'd cut nail it and be done with it. It's how it's how we did it all through the 60s and 70s. Appreciate the call, Ray. Thanks a bunch. All right. We're, let me go back to our topic, and, and that opens a line for you if you'd like to call one 767 4348 and I see Richard is. Um, let's talk about some of the other filters you've got in your house. We've talked about the air conditioning filter. We've talked about the vacuum filter. We, you've heard us. We've encouraged you a lot in the last five or six years to consider mini split air conditioners. They are so efficient and so cost-effective. They can air condition your space cheaper than you can evap-cool the space. So you're more comfortable. You're living with lower utility bills. But there's a couple downsides to mini-splits. One, they're more expensive than an evap-cooler. And two, they don't have very adequate filtering devices it's a simple little filter that you have in your <laughs> in your dust buster <laughs> uh, kind of a spun styrofoamy thing uh, that you take out wash in warm water with soap and slip it back in and they tell you and I would encourage you if you do that make sure it is absolutely perfectly dry before you do it because you put these filters these self the the cleaner the filters you're expected to wash with water and you put them back in use and get them circulating and filtering air while they're damp you are creating conditions conducive for a big sloppy stinky airy mess and really a great reduction in your indoor air quality so many fil- many splits don't generally filter very well in that case You'd have to go to a standalone room or whole house filtering system. And if you're going to do that, go ahead and make the investment to bring it all up to HEPA quality. All right? So that's a short summary of the article. You can find it, Rosie, on the house. How to hashtag air filters. Hit the road. Let's hit the road. Hit the road like all the Romeros do in their Ford vehicles. Every one of them purchased at Sanderson Ford, having bought our first Sanderson Ford just right after Jennifer and I got married, about 1980. We haven't bought anywhere else and i've sent my family i've sent my friends all my companies buy their vehicles there they've never given us a reason to go shop anywhere else it is truly like dealing with a good close friend and you know right now at sanderson ford there is zero percent interest apr on the f-150 series truck for 70 two months plus 
plus a thousand bucks. Now look, folks, that's the most that that's the top rated pickup truck in America for 40 years. Go to Sanderson Ford, 64 acres of inventory. They've got plenty for you to take a look at. Pick your color, pick your options, pick your truck, drive it off the lot, title it yourself, and not pay a dime of interest on it for 72 months. And you'll be driving the number one rated truck in America. Not the newly number one rated, but the number one rated for 40 years. Sanderson Ford, located in Glendale. I bump into people all over the state who drive to Glendale, wherever they're from, just to shop at Sanderson. But you don't have to. At SandersonFord.com, you can shop from home, you can buy from home, and they will deliver the vehicle. That's Sanderson Ford, America's most award-winning Ford dealership. One triple eight seven six seven four three four eight. We'll try to get your call on the air or your question answered one way or the other. And uh, looks like Richard has a pretty good one. All right, let's bring Richard into the conversation and see if I've got what it takes to answer the question. <laughs> good morning, Richard. Good morning, Rosie. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. You what you up to today? Well, uh, I got a question. I've got uh, about six hundred square feet of brick pavers that were put in maybe three years ago. Not by a member of the ROC, um, but a nice gentleman that was working the neighborhood out here in in Gold Canyon. Okay. And uh, they laid them. They looked good. They put the polymer sand and everything. But the the bricks, the pavers, do they ever need – they don't look good. Do they need sealing occasionally? Well, they – the the paver I'm most familiar with – is a brand name called Belgard. Yes. And Belgard does recommend sealing, protection from UV lights, staining. Um, but if these have been down for a while and you're not happy with their appearance, they're going to have to be cleaned first. And there's a very specialized piece of equipment you use to clean those. You can rent the equipment, but it's like a... Um, floor, it's like a stand-up floor grinder and it has a rotating head on it in the, but it sends out streams of water. So it's like a floor buffing, pressure washing, stand-up cleaning machine. And you can rent it. It's not horribly expensive, but clean it, let the pavers dry completely and then apply a sealer and that, that sealer will protect the clean look of the paver. They recommend, I think, uh, sealing your pavers about once a year. Oh, boy. Well, I'm familiar with Velgard, and unfortunately, that was out of my price range, but I okay. should have gone with that. But the pavers I have, Rosie, there were a couple pavers that got stained by stuff coming in from the grill. Okay. Somebody said, well, just turn them over. Well, I turned it over, and the stain does not go all the way, or the color the tint does uh-huh. not go all the way through these bricks so they're they're low-end brick uh pavers and they're showing to this what, what's it called effervescence yeah okay it, they're showing that too so if i uh either hire someone for this uh deluxe power washer or rent it myself would i also then put 
the new polymer sand in the cracks and the seams? Well, I I would need to know more about the pavers that you use. Are they a interlocking concrete paver, or are they just a masonry brick? They're just a masonry brick. Okay, well then, then it's going to require a whole different uh, set of procedures. You're going to have a really hard time keeping the effervescence from showing up unless you eliminate all the sprinklers, all the roof drainage, any water at all, okay? And it still won't stop the effervescence from a wet monsoon season like we have now. Uh, Cleaning that, I would tell you, probably use the same machine. Um, I'm not not positive about that. Uh, Cleaning brick. They don't like you to pressure wash brick because it is so porous. It'll hold the water forever. And then they really don't like it in a vertical wall because you can't pressure wash mortar. Um, you know what, Richard? I'm going to have to call a couple friends for you, on your behalf and try and find out what I could best recommend for you because I'm not going to know off the top of my head. So will you, will you trust me to get back in touch with you? You know, I trust you for many things. Uh, even the show earlier on the electrician, I listened to that, uh, and that was very informative. So if you have the time, Rosie, I certainly would appreciate any further information. Okay. I'm going to make a couple phone calls. Um, uh, it's it's going to be, uh, Richard, it's going to be about the middle of the week before I can find the time to do it. But it, uh, it's not like your house is burning down. So. <laughs> well, apparently the, the electrical in the house is pretty good. So Yes, that's right. At least the electric is good. Yeah. Oh, mercy. Man, were we flooded with emails this particular week about different questions. Um, tons of them. And, and I, I was not able to spend a lot of time in the office. So I didn't, I wasn't able to answer a lot of the questions as they came in. Uh, one of the one of the questions was, look, my stucco, this actually comes from Russ. He says, my stucco is cracking so bad, uh, I can hardly even have it holding on to the wall. It's leaking water when it rains, and I've been recommended to have someone paint it with elastomeric paint. Uh, my friend... That would be the biggest mistake you could make because we, we've got to repair the stucco cracking problem, investigate all the places the water is getting in, and make sure we fix that before we paint the stucco with anything. If you paint the stucco with elastomeric, you're actually going to be any water that does get in you're actually going to be locking the water inside your structure, inside the studs, inside the insulation, inside the house. So I am not a fan of elastomeric paint on any vertical surfaces. It applies well and does well on horizontal surfaces. We use it all the time for sealing foam applied flat roofs but i am not a fan of putting a water tight raincoat on your house 
there's going to be a day, there's going to be a time when that raincoat goes from stucco to a bar drafter or a stucco to a window frame or a door jam or some dissimilar material. And it's going to crack either by thermal expansion and contraction or by humidity and drying out. Once that, once that raincoat on your house has the least little bit of crack in it, it's going to let moisture in, and it's never going to let it back out. So I would tell you, let's find the source of where the water's getting in. Let's fix that with some elastomeric caulk in the appropriate places. And then let's paint the stucco with good exterior, 100% acrylic paint. It lets the house breathe, okay? And you'll find that it's about one-fifth the price. So you can paint your home five times for the same amount of money. So that's my feeling about elastomeric. It's in particular my opinion on elastomeric as it applies to vertical surfaces. We've got another question here from Sharon. And she wants to know, look, I got to replace my windows. I'm in an old home in Tucson, masonry. What would you recommend? Oh, Sharon, this means you weren't listening two weeks ago. Oh, no. When we were at the Pella showroom, Pella has the perfect window for this application. It's called their Impervia window. It's fiberglass frame. It lasts forever. It's color fast. It won't allow heat to come in like the aluminum frame windows you've got in your home now. It'll block out noise. It'll block out the heat. Uh, it is absolutely the perfect window for many applications, but yours in particular. Tucson, masonry home, built in the 50s. I know it's, it's got solid bones. It's good home. You put those impervia Pella windows in, and you'll never have to look back. How much work have you had to do with these masonry walls the last 70 years? Virtually none. Well, that's exactly the maintenance you're going to have for these Pella impervias. So that is my recommendation for Miss Sharon, who wrote in. And we've got several more here. <laughs> oh. Several years back, you published instructions in the Arizona Daily Star on how to repair an interior door to stay open. <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes right. we did. We sure did. Isn't there a video of that, oh, too, as gosh. well? Uh, so, Nancy, uh, Arizona Daily Star reader down in Tucson, um, go to YouTube. Go to rosieonthehouse.com. We have our own YouTube channel. And you will see me demonstrate how to take a door that will not stay open or close. It constantly wants to swing to the position it's happy in, which is like half open, half close, a perfect place to stub your toe or knock your head. What you do is if it's an interior door with two hinges, take the bottom hinge pin out, take that hinge pin to the garage, and strike it with a hammer about one-third down 
from the head of the pin. You're going to actually hit it hard enough to put a crimp in that pin. Go put that crimp pin back in the hinge and it will then create enough friction for the door to stay in the position you want it to stay in. But you won't notice that it's any harder to open or close. You can find that on YouTube, Rosie on the House. It actually shows you how to do this. Gary, I think the last time Romy checked, that YouTube had several hundred thousand views. Yes, it had quite a number it, of views. It was hilarious. I think the one, the, the, the other one in our uh, YouTube channel that gets a lot of use is a how easy it is to break into a pair of French doors and how easy it is to fix that so you don't have to worry about it anymore. Here's one. He says, I think I have a slab leak. Yikes. And I think he's right. Because he says he can hear water running and there's a warm spot on the floor. That's a pretty good answer. That's a pretty good sign <laughs> of a, of a sub-slab plumbing leak get a hold of any one of the rosie certified plumbers statewide get it spotted they're probably going to have to uh you'll have the choice of repairing it or rooting around it but get a rosie certified plumber there to take a look at it one of the things that happens when romy and jennifer are not here uh, is Rosie gets carried away on bunny trails and, and doesn't quite hit all the timing and all the marks exactly as well as I do when they're here. <laughs> I kind of get carried away. <laughs> one of the things we're supposed to talk about is the most asked question of the oh, week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this one's good. Yeah. And and this question is, what about faux wood? What What are my considerations if I like the look of wood, but I'm not interested in the maintenance of wood? What are my choices? Well, I called Rosie Certified Flooring Contractor, East Valley Floors owner, Mr. Vaughn Payne, and he says, Rosie, let me take you, let me take you up the ladder of the of the faux wood options. You've got the glue down vinyl planks. They're paper thin. You can find those sometimes available material for under $2 a square foot. Paper thin, don't expect much out of them. Then many of you will remember 25 years ago when this flooring came in from Europe called Pergo flooring, and it's a laminate flooring. It's actually a photograph of wood planks laminated onto a <laughs> particle board core. <laughs> so, uh, we saw millions of square feet of that product installed through the 90s and the early 2000s. But in the last 10 or 15 years, there is a waterproof core vinyl that's a half inch thick. It snaps in place, seven to nine inches wide, five feet long. It installs anywhere, uh, you know, it can be anywhere from about six bucks a foot to 10 bucks a foot installed. It requires expansion joints, so you're going to have to put in some new baseboards. But it is what constitutes about 80% of 
of what's going in today when people are asking for a faux wood finish. Soft on the foot, 100% waterproof, good for sound resiliency. It is the waterproof core vinyl. It's vinyl through and through. So Junior spilling a glass of his apple juice on it or a water isn't going to damage it like it used to some of those old laminate products we had in the past. And then you've also got the porcelain or ceramic tiles that are made to look like wood. But those are going to be expensive and hard to properly install. They were very, very popular about 10 years ago. But the truth of the matter is they require such a perfect floor, the amount of prep time it takes to make the application great uh, generally drives the price of the job uh, well above some of these other products. And that core vinyl product actually has quite a bit more give to it than a porcelain or ceramic product. So there's your choices in answer to what are my choices if I'm considering a faux wood finish. Thank you, Mr. Vaughn Payne, East Valley Floors, Rosie Certified Flooring Contractor in the East Valley of the greater Phoenix metro area. Well, we covered electricity and uh, some safety points. Uh, we started the show talking about how to really fine-tune your fertilizing process to make your winter lawn come in hard, come in green, come in thick, come in beautiful, and stay that way. There's real tricks to win in what you fertilize with to get that accomplished. Many people can bring the green lawn in in February or March. They say, what happened to my yard? Well, you didn't treat it properly in October and November. So all of that can be found in our podcast from the 8 o'clock hour this morning. We had Fox Valley Electric and Solar in talking electric all during the 9 o'clock hour, talking about the importance of arc fault interrupters, surge protection, LED lighting, uh, and the fact that if you're looking for solar or electric, you ought to consider contacting Fox Valley Solar Electric. And then we went open line 10 o'clock hour. I had a lot of fun talking with people in Mesa and Tempe, Gilbert and Tucson. That's what we're about. Touching you, the Arizona homeowner, with what you are looking to find out concerning your house, home, castle, or cabin. That's what we do at Rosie on the House.